我们一起来读基督耶稣的仆人保罗和提莫泰写信给凡住菲律宾在基督耶稣里的众圣徒和诸位监督诸位执事愿恩惠平安从神我们的父并主耶稣基督归于你们好今天我们很高兴有 to have Pastor David Doughty to speak to us and preach the sermon. The title of his sermon is Grace to You and Peace. I think it's Grace and Peace to You, is that right? I don't know. Anyway, you take it. We're also very happy to be here. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself on enemy territory? Uh, every summer, Boy Scout Troop 46 goes camping. Uh, every weekend they camp in a different place. And the best places to camp are the state parks. Uh, because the best part about camping with the Boy Scouts are the nightly games of Capture the Flag. How many of you know Capture the Flag? Okay, who's never heard of Capture the Flag? Okay, that's alright. It's really quite a simple game. Uh, there's two teams. Your team and the enemy. And there is some space that you play in. State parks are the best for Capture the Flag because they're so big. And the Boy Scouts would play Capture the Flag over acres and acres of forest and prairies. And at night. When it's dark. So the object of the game is to steal the other team's flag. They usually hide it somewhere on their side of the playing field. And your team hides your own flag. Whichever team steals the other team's flag and brings it back to their side first wins. And when the enemy comes across the field to your side, you've got to chase them down and put them in jail. Not literally a jail. Just whatever place you've chosen to be your jail. Now, playing this game to the wee hours of the morning uh, is a lot of fun. And you can play it safe if you stay on friendly territory. Uh, it's really quite peaceful at night to lay down in the middle of a big field and look up and see the stars. But suppose you and a friend go walking. Or perhaps you're chasing one of the enemy around your side of the field. Sometimes you can walk across what we call no man's land. You don't realize what you've done. But if you cross no man's land, beware. 
Because you're on enemy territory. And, and the enemy is out to get you. They don't want you to steal their flag. They're going to capture you and throw you in jail. And there you'll have to stay until the end of the game. Or one of your teammates comes and frees you from the jail. Now, all right. Part of the fun of the game is the danger of being caught. It's more fun if you sneak across no man's land to enemy territory. But when you forget your surroundings, and you've just crossed no man's land, what happens then? As soon as you realize what you've done, you have that sinking feeling. It's the kind of thing you feel when you show up for class and you forgot there was an exam. <laughs> oh no, I didn't study. It's similar to the kind of feeling you get when you get a rejection letter for your college application. Oh no, what am I going to do? It's the kind of sinking feeling you have when, you, when your boss tells you that you're going to be downsized next quarter. It's the kind of sinking feeling when the doctor tells you it's malignant. When you find yourself in enemy territory, you lose your sense of security. You lose your sense of inner peace. Even if your life seems pretty comfortable now, we know that these disturbing moments in life do come. They often come unexpectedly. What gives you a sense of peace when your boat is rocked? What gives you a sense of security when you encounter a sudden change? This morning, verse 2 of Philippians chapter 1 gives us the answer. That tells us how you and I can have peace. In fact, we find there is only one way to have peace. There is only one source of real peace. We find in our scripture reading this morning. To find peace, you must go to God. There is no other way. There is no other source of peace. You must go to God for peace. Now, going to God doesn't mean just attending church for a while. It doesn't mean adding a little religion to your life until the storm blows over. To find real peace, you must go to God. How do I do that? First, you must follow Jesus to God. You must fall down before God. And you must find peace with God. So first, follow Jesus to God. 
Now, last time when we looked at、uh, the beginning of Philippians,、uh, we focused on the first verse. And so today we're focusing on the second verse.、Uh, last time we talked about being slaves of the master. You see, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. That word "servant" we learned meant slave. But while Paul and Timothy are slaves of Christ Jesus, we also learn that they and all Christian believers are also saints. It is a calling. It is a status given. We are saints in Christ because of Christ. Before we are saints in terms of our behavior. And we find that Paul is writing in verse one to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. He's writing to all the Christians there. Now, this might seem like a strange way to start a letter to us. Uh, we don't normally put our names first if we're writing the letter.、Uh, but Paul is using an ancient letter format. In the ancient world, people wrote the、uh, sender's name first. Then who it is to? And this was followed by a moment of well wishing. So what Paul does in our letter? He takes his ancient letter format. That actually wasn't ancient at his time. And he gives it a Christian spin. So verse two. Is the well-wishing part of his greeting, his introduction. And we read, "Grace to you and peace from God." Now, did you see that? Peace from God. You won't have peace on your own apart from God. To have peace, you must have God. Just as to live, you must have food and water. To have energy, you need to have sleep. So also to have. You must have God. But I don't need God. I can have peace without God. Because although I don't know God, I have a pretty good life. I have peace. Peace is still from God. That's the reality of God. The question is, what God or gods do you have? What do I mean? Your God or gods do not have to be the ones that are recognized by world religions. Uh, the gods in your life may be good things. Things to which you give the importance of God. Whatever you look to for peace, inner peace and security. Uh, this is your God. 
It functions in your life as a God. It takes the place of God. Because peace is from God. Perhaps you're looking to some person for peace. Or some good thing. Uh, uh, two examples. The investor who trusts in his investments for security. That's why some investments are actually called securities. Unfortunately, he invested in Enron. Or the single person who longs to be married. If only I found the right person to be my spouse. Or maybe it's not the single person, it's their parents. If only my son or daughter could find the right person to marry. Then I wouldn't have to worry about their future. Then I would have peace. So whatever you look to for peace functions as your God. It can even be as simple as getting something right. Uh, my wife and I have moved around a fair amount in the last few years. Uh, we finished seminary and then moved off to our first calling. And in every new place, there's the same task of hanging the curtain rod above the window. And if you've ever hung a curtain rod above a window, you know how hard it can be to get that silly thing to be level. You've heard the saying, measure twice. Cut once. <laughs> but if you make getting things right your God, and you look to having that curtain rod level for your sense of peace, when you, when you fail, your God gives you no peace. And your, and your wall above the window ends up looking like Swiss cheese. If you want true peace, you'll need the true God. How am I going to know who that is? How am I going to know I have the real God and not a knockoff God? This is where we need to follow Jesus to find the revelation of God. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis talks about confronting the reality of God. He says in the opening chapters, there's two things that confront us with God. First, there's the fact we're in the universe. Why is there anything at all? Points to the reality that we have a maker. Second, there's what Lewis calls the moral law. Uh, even if we're confused about what is right and what is wrong, we know that there is right and wrong. And that has to come from somewhere or something. 
And so these two things confront us with the reality of God. But God has to reveal himself to us more if we are to really know him and know peace. Uh, consider for a moment the ants. And the, uh, the ants that uh, uh, fester around the sidewalks and the driveway. It would be quite a challenge for you or me to make ourselves known to the ants. Uh, you can introduce them to the sole of your foot. Uh, but they wouldn't really get to know you. The true God, however, knows how to communicate to us. God knows how to speak on our level. He knows how to speak to us in a way we can hear. And He has done so by sending Jesus, His Son. Now we find Jesus being introduced in the New Testament of the Bible. And all the Old Testament gives us the language for understanding who Jesus is when he comes in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world. Who is Jesus that he enables us to know who God is? Jesus himself said in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. You see, in Jesus, the invisible God becomes visible. In Jesus, in Jesus, God the Son becomes human. And of course, being human, you and I all understand what it means to be human. And so, Jesus brings us revelation of God. We see in our verse, grace and peace to you from God the Father, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. They do the same thing. Because Jesus is God and fully human. And Jesus came to reveal God. No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So if you want true peace, if you really want to know the true God, you must follow Jesus to God the Father. Reading His Word to be challenged by it. Not selecting from your favorite teachings and rejecting the ones you don't like. But really learning from Jesus who God is. Through Jesus about whom all the Bible really is about. So we must follow Jesus to God. 
And we must fall down before God. What does it mean for us to fall down before God? It's first to realize the cause of our insecurity. The root cause of your lack of peace is not the circumstances in your life. It's not really the hardships and trials that come. The root cause of your and my insecurity in any situation is that you are a rebel and a sinner against God. And God is holy and just. That apart from Christ, you are the enemy of the living and true God. Wait, wait, wait a minute, hold the phone. What have I done to make myself the enemy of God? I haven't killed anybody. I haven't stolen anything of great value. What makes me a rebel and a sinner against God? Well, imagine that you go to an art show one evening. Uh, it's some famous artist you've never heard of, but some friends invited you to go. And as you arrive at this art show, you, you walk around with your friends and meet some of the other guests. But then when you notice the first artwork, you say, I could paint that. A child could paint that. That's not art. That's terrible. How do you think the artist standing next to you would feel? He'd feel pretty terrible. He probably wouldn't take too kindly to your comments. Why? Because you're devaluing his art. And an artist's work is an expression of himself. We do the very same thing to God when we look to other things to be God. God has made many very good things. But none of what God has made is as glorious as God Himself. But when we look for peace from things that are not God, we're devaluing the glory of God. And God is right to be angry with us. Then we must repent of the cause of insecurity. We must turn from devaluing God to finding peace in God. Not just any, not just any God, but the true God. Uh, one summer, my family and I were driving back from a vacation in Washington, D.C. Uh, some of you have driven through central Pennsylvania. You know that it's quite hilly, mountainous, and forested. And there's this one particular highway that would take us from D.C. back to our home in Rochester, New York, in the north. But it always seems so slow. Too many traffic lights. And so one time on our drive home, I thought, we're going to find a new way. 
We're going to find a better way. Faster way to get home. So we took a detour. And ran into some road construction. Uh, it was evening time. The sun was setting. And in the dense woods of northern Pennsylvania, things were getting dark. We took a winding road through some forest, some park or another. And after about half an hour to an hour on this small back road, we reached the road clothes sign. Thirty feet of road had been torn up. It would be impossible to cross. I confess, I was tempted. <laughs> But worse would have been getting stuck out in the middle of nowhere in northern Pennsylvania. So what did we do? We did what we had to do. We turned around. We drove another half an hour back the way we came. And it was closer to half an hour, and you can imagine why. Uh, the full extent of the speed limit. Yeah. The root cause of insecurity. Looking to people and things that are not God. To find the peace that only God can give. To repent means falling down before God. It means admitting, confessing to God where you have looked for peace other than Him. Pleading for God to show you His all sufficiency. Uh, brings to mind the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, the parable that Jesus told in Luke 15. A man had two sons. And before the father died, the younger son asked for his inheritance. Uh, this was unheard of. He was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could have my money. The father gave the younger son his inheritance anyway. And the young son took his money and spent it all. He squandered it on reckless living. Uh, we can only imagine what that would look like today. But then a severe famine hit the land. And the son was out of money. To survive, he took the only job he could find. A job feeding pigs. And nobody gave him anything to eat. He wanted to eat the pig food. But one day he realized he was starving to death. And it came to him that he should go back to his father's house. He realized that what he had did made him unworthy to be a son. But at least he could go back to his father's house. And maybe his father would take him in as a servant. And, and treat him as one of his father's hired servants. Do you remember how the parable ends? As the son is returning home. Even when he's a far way off, the father sees his prodigal son. 
And the father does something that no respectable man in the day would do. He runs out to his son. He embraces his son. He throws him a huge welcome home party. Now, of course, there is more to the parable. There's the older brother's response. But in this much of the parable, we see a representation of God. The father in the parable represents God, our father. The younger son who came home is a picture of repentance. It's a picture of what we all need to do as we come before God, as we fall down and admit we have made other things into God. It is turning to God for peace. Not just a one-time event. But as we continue through life, and as we realize day by day just what we are looking to for peace, things that are less than God, things that cannot give us true peace. We are to live a lifestyle of falling before God in repentance. So that when your company is going through transition and your co-workers are being laid off day by day, and you are just burdened by the weight of not knowing when will it be my turn to be laid off and your worry consumes you realize the cause of your insecurity it is not ultimately the prospect of being laid off it is looking to something not God for the peace of God repent and worship God who gives you true peace and then there on your knees as you confess your unworthiness to God remember grace to you grace to you and peace find their peace between you and God this is first an objective peace it is a peace regardless of what you feel it is the peace between you and God that God has brought about because remember as we come to God in confession as we come to God in repentance it is because we are guilty of rebelling against him of rejecting him of devaluing his glory and we are still guilty of wrongdoing and God is just so what about God's justice a jaded past can haunt you regrets from past mistakes can have a way of robbing you of inner peace 
You're guilty. You feel ashamed. You know, you ought to be condemned for what you have done. How can there be any forgiveness for me? How can God love me after what I have done? Brothers and sisters, do not despair. Grace to you and peace. As you believe and repent of your sin, you receive the grace of God in Christ. It is grace given to us because we are guilty. But God, in His infinite wisdom, chose to send His Son, Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus into the world to teach us, but to also die for you, to become sin for you, to take your punishment on Himself. To take away that which separates you from God. So that you could belong to God again. Jesus gives us the right to become children of God. Because he has reconciled us to God through his death on the cross. This is the objective peace. This is the peace that God has made between you and Himself. That you are no longer at odds with God. That in Christ you are no longer God's enemy. You are His dearly beloved child. What does a father do for a child he loves dearly? Does he protect him from every bump, trip, and scrape? No, because we learn through such things. But does a loving father protect his child from the most serious harm? Absolutely. He longs to see his child flourish. He lives for his child's ultimate well-being. And so, when challenges come in your life, but you trust Christ. You trust that what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross and through His resurrection from the dead. That that has given you peace with God. That you know the trials in your life are not to harm you. That God is actually using the trials in your life to shape you. That God is using those things to mold you into a more mature Christian. That as you go through trial after trial, you will grow in your sense of inner peace. As you grow in your ability to look to God for peace. Not to false things. But the true God. Because in Christ you have a reconciled relationship to God our Father. Now this also overflows into peace between you and your neighbor. Of course, 
we're not going to get along well with everyone all the time. But when you have peace with God, objective peace with God because your sin has been forgiven. Then, as believers, we can forgive one another. We have peace with God. God, our Father. Since it's grace and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are one family. God is our Father. Christ is our older brother, and we are all dearly loved by Him. So then, out of that love, we are able to love and forgive one another. And experience peace. Peace with one another. Paul was writing about the great division between Jew and Gentile in Ephesians chapter two. He writes, "But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ." For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So making peace, and might reconcile us both to God. In one, in one body through the cross. It's because of the objective peace God has given us in Christ. That we can have inner peace. And that inner peace we have with God can overflow in peace with brothers and sisters. True peace from the true and living God overflows into peace with others in Christ. One of my favorite sermon illustrations is the story of Horatio Spafford. He lived at one time in Ireland and then in Chicago. Many years ago, when there was a great fire in the city of Chicago, and Horatio had many investments in the city. Uh, real estate investments, that is. And they were all lost in the Great Chicago Fire. So Horatio sent his family, his wife and his four daughters, back to Ireland while he finished business in Chicago. But the ship carrying his family sunk in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And Horatio Spafford received a telegram from his wife. It said, "Saved alone." All of his daughters drowned in the accident. When Spafford went to、uh, rejoin his wife. The captain of his ship noted the time to the passengers when they were crossing the spot where his wife and daughter's ship had sunk. And it was there on that ship. 
As they passed over the spot where his daughters all drowned. That Spafford penned the words to a very famous hymn. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. How could a man who's just lost his daughters do something like that? How in the midst of such great and pressing grief could he write it as well with my soul? You see, he had peace. He had true peace from the true God. Peace that you and I can have too. As you follow Jesus to God. As you fall down before God in repentance. And there as you find objective peace with God. You can have this inner peace too. Not by works. Not through earning points with God. But in grace to you. And peace. From God the Father. From God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father. Truly there is no one like you. None of the things that the nations worship are like you. Nothing is as glorious as you are. Forgive us, Lord, for making good things into gods. As we come before your table this morning, we repent again of making into gods good things. And in looking for peace in anything but you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive some of us for the first time. Forgive some of us yet again. But thank you for grace in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the peace you give us. Help us to remember that peace. That we might look nowhere else for it. But rest in what you have done for us. Even as we are reminded through this meal this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we will sing our response hymn. Let's stand.
Neither life nor death shall ever from the Lord his children sever. Unto them his grace he showeth, and their sorrows all he knoweth. Though he giveth or he taketh, God his children ne'er forsaketh. Is the loving purpose solely to preserve them pure and holy? Praise the Lord in joyful numbers, your protector never slumbers. At the will of your defender, every foeman must surrender. 今天我们来领受圣餐。啊，we our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And as we eat the body of Christ and drink the blood of Christ, the Holy Spirit makes happen in the heavenly realms. What is symbolized here in the earthly realm? Uh, this is a meal for those who belong to Christ. Uh, if you have not yet uh, received the Lord Jesus into your heart and been baptized, uh, we're very glad you're here. But please just pass the elements to the next person today. And if you'd like to learn more about uh, Jesus Christ and what we believe, uh, I would be very glad for the opportunity to meet with you and talk about it. Uh, but if you have believed in the Lord Jesus and received uh, entrance into his covenant through baptism, then this meal is for you. Come and be reminded of your standing in Christ. Of the, of the real peace that Christ has won for you. So then we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, one of the few passages uh, from which we get the Lord's Supper. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, Jesus took the cup and pouring it out before them he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would those serving uh, communion today please come forward? As the elements are distributed, please hold on to them until everyone has received. And then we will partake together.
blood of Christ shed for you. Pastor 